This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, folks, welcome back to the last Mountain Swire football podcast. Uh, Matt Kennerly, Jeremy Moss here hanging out. Uh, typically this day, Matt, we've been doing a weekend recap, but things have happened. <laughs> things are continuing to happen. Exactly. Continuing to happen. So we're going to talk. It's also the week one was, was a light slate as well. It wasn't like anything amazing. There's a couple of games, so not a big deal, but uh, it sort of is. Good it. to see, it's good to see group of five teams in the college football playoff conversation now. Is it the only ones that have played to this point? Oh, I guess so. Um, that's going to be a show later on, like a week or two. Did you ever take a look at probably next week? I'm guessing because we got to stretch the content out. Did you happen to see Jerry Palm CBS Sports uh, Bowl projections? I did not. Okay, we'll do that next week. And let's just say it, the people who are too young to know what's going on, they're doing research on the Holiday Bowl or some other re- re- reasonable big time bowl games like the Citrus Bowl, and they go, "Why was uh?" This Appalachian State in the uh, Holiday Bowl playing a Big Ten team. <laughs> and every other year, it's either Pac-12, Big Ten, and before that, yeah. whack, whatever. It's like, and there'll be this one year, 2020, where there's just the weirdest bowl lineups, where all these teams with like three and five records are in bowl games. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be really strange. So I think that's what we may do next week. But this week, what we're doing with the game starting, and we should have had our week uh, going on for this time around for the Mountain West and everything. We're going to go through games kind of we missed, but one thing, did you see what the spring season might be projected to be, Matt, from the Football I Oversight Committee? So no. they're looking at doing in maximum eight games in 13 weeks, which is about right, and be done by basically tax days in the middle of April. Mm-hmm. And I think that's good because I, I think that would give enough time to recover it's like 12 weeks so i think that's uh i think that's fine to do as long as you're done before may clearly and there would be probably no postseason but i don't think that's an issue of getting too much of an issue of getting people ready for the for mid-august fall camp or late july early august fall camp yeah i mean i think when we talked about it recently it was the you know an eight game slate is a little larger than i imagined Mm mm-hmm but I mean, I think I think the big the big thing is just making sure, like I said, that there's enough of a gap in time where you're not basically asking the athletes to just you know practice and and play almost continually throughout the calendar year. So I think especially if you're spacing it out over 13 weeks and you're giving everybody plenty of time to recuperate and things like that, I I think that that would be more manageable than just if they tried to cram it into like you know, a nine or 10 week window like it normally would. Yeah. And be done like in May because yeah. my assumption and there's, there's, there's maybe a chance it could start earlier with the Pac-12 partner testing, the NBA testing where it's like you can get a test in 20 minutes back essentially and not send it anywhere, mm-hmm. which would be amazing for just life in general, not just with college sports. But I would think that what they would do, they let's just say that's what the schedule is. And Mountain West could basically do two two trade thoughts I was thinking about. They could play. I think I wrote a quick piece on it or I did. You play your eight games that you already have played and you're done. Or mm-hmm. the idea I like the best, you play seven games and you just um, – one of the cross-division opponents gets switched up, moved back, whatever. 
And then you do kind of a one more game where so you can have a conference champion. So one of you won in each division all the way down to six. So you get that last game. And if it's a rematch, whatever, but you play a team with your similar record to get that final game. And so kind of like a you have a big old championship type weekend or something. And mm-hmm. and you have that, that'd be fun. But then you would have, say, it goes till mid-April. Again, there's no spring football. There's not going to be any sort of uh, reco- um, off-season stuff besides maybe like rehab or basic kind of uh, staying in shape. And maybe the next season gets pushed back a couple weeks, not too much. So say the college football playoff, like everybody's on the same page by then, gets done by like MLK Day or something, or the end, first week of February, like week before the Super Bowl, or that what would be ideal mm-hmm. maybe if they do push it back because you want to give us some more recovery time for these four leagues, assuming the four play and like Old Dominion and like New Mexico State maybe get some games in or whatever, where you play the week mm-hmm. in between the NFC AFC title game and the Super Bowl, that'd be a huge weekend. And then next year you're good to go. You still get your games in. Everybody gets recovery time. You just maybe start middle of September. Yeah. So. Yeah, I could get behind that. I think it'd be fine. It's like, what's the big deal? It's like, be, it's like I said. Like, if you if anybody listened to our, uh, I don't know if you have, but me and Andy did the uh, basketball kind of show about what what could be done. I just said, be weird. Just this is the time to do whatever you want, and nobody's really gonna say boo about it and, and care all that much. And if it works, you have something amazing to do. If it doesn't, well, it was that one weird year we COVID and we played four games. <laughs> I mean, and I think the other thing too is, you know, when you consider, you know, the the timing of other things at that point, you know, is, and I'm thinking primarily of like the pre-draft process, right? Mm-hmm. Do you happen to know offhand when the NFL draft is supposed to happen next year? I can check. I know it can be pushed back till the first week of June. Combine typically is what well, that last week of April. I'm assuming April, February. Mm-hmm. So typically, it's um, that. Depending first, basically it goes through the first week of March, maybe a couple of days in February. But the draft is typically that last week of April. It was in okay. May two years ago. So, so I just I just looked it up because I knew that I knew that it was going to be in Cleveland. I couldn't remember exactly when it was. Um, so it's supposed to happen from April 29th to May 1st. And so if you're talking about a spring season that ends up, um, you know, that ends up at wrapping up by you know mid-April mm-hmm. by tax day, like you said. You know, I think it would be an interesting spin on kind of the pre-draft process where, you know, if, if prospects don't necessarily want to opt out, like if they want to be able to put more film on tape to improve their their uh, their standing overall, mm-hmm. that, you know, it would be almost like scouts would get a chance to see them in real time. Yeah. And so, you know, going back to the conversation that we've had in past podcasts about, you know, those underclassmen for instance who might typically um you know they, they they might be more tempted to just jump to the uh to into the draft process if there wasn't going to be a spring season i think like you know, Jackson, if they yeah. are satisfied with the setup that they end that they ultimately get that they might be more inclined to stick around and just you know put in the work to improve their draft stock that way i mean i think i can see where um you know, some people might choose to do things one way and some people might choose mm-hmm. to do it another way, especially for like you know, whatever injury prone prospects are out there. Like they might want to mitigate the risk of getting dinged up and, yeah, and or recovering from injury dampening too. their prospects. So, so, but I think that it would improve the product overall by encouraging athletes to stick around, especially if they know like they're, if they're having a really good season, that, you know, two or three weeks later, they could get drafted. But dude, this would be the ultimate hype mission. If you're playing great and you have an amazing season, you're a fringe guy, let's just say 
I, I like I'm, I like Nate Craig Myers. I believe he's a senior this year. If I'm, I believe, like there's no Warren mm-hmm. Jackson. You do on CSU. I'm speaking of if those not familiar. You got Dante Wright, and you have a pretty good quarterback. We believe Patrick O'Brien. Like, what if he has a huge year, tearing up, and he'll play some defense. He'll play Wyoming. He'd play Boise State. Utah State typically has a good defense. I'm not sure what the cross division would be if it's San Diego State or anything. I believe I'm not sure. I think it is. Yeah, it is. So he'd play against some really good defenses if he has an amazing year and in eight games has like let's just say he goes goes nuts and has a thousand yard eight game season and he has like ten touchdowns or something that would shoot him up astronomical. And so there's also the opposite side. Like you play, you're not just play well. But you're playing at a time during where the NFL hype machine's going. Oh, this you see this guy's workout. He had a unofficial four one two forty beat Chris Johnson's forty time, whatever. Or Deion Sanders saying mm-hmm. he ran in his Timberlands and boots like a four one or something. Like the hype machine would be off the rails for these guys. And you're right. Instead of having pro days, they they could still do that. Like you have during they could show up during in season in practice. And if there's pro days, don't take. I've been to a couple pro days. They don't. Yeah, it's a lot around a lot of sitting around, but it's less strenuous than a regular practice. So, say you have your bye week, you set up your pro day during a bye week, and seeing these guys who are actually in football shape, not their combine shape, because you know how guys train differently for the combine to get the good forty oh, yeah, time yeah. down. So, this to be actually football shape type of guys, and you have you have an off week, maybe do it on that Saturday or Friday or something during the off week. You, instead of practice, you have part of it your your pro day. And having scouts yeah, see I mean, you in person, that'd be amazing. That'd be a much better process than what it is now. And again, it's a one-year thing. Just do it. Do it. Come on. Yeah, and I mean, I think what you would ultimately sacrifice are the other parts of the pre-draft process, like you know the Senior Bowl, for instance, which mm-hmm. takes place in, like, what, January or February or something like that? Uh, something like that, yeah. It's like, well, so, it's, it's the one thing, yeah. I mean, I, I, th- I guess theoretically those types of things, like the Senior Bowl, like the Shrine Game, like the Hula Bowl or, or the other ones, the uh, – uh, the Tropical Bowl, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like four or five of them. Yeah, a couple point. new ones. CPs, um, NFLPA Bowl, stuff like you know, that. Those might end up being, I mean, depending on when the season starts, those might end up being more like preseason showcases rather than postseason showcases. Yeah, there could so, be I mean, a way. I think that there, there might still be an incentive for prospects to find their way into one or another. And I think that, you know, especially for the more prestigious ones, like the, like the Senior Bowl, like the Shrine Bowl, that they might still... I mean, they're probably still going to like field or at least create rosters anyway. So it might be interesting to see a Mountain West senior participate in something like that and then jump into a spring season yeah. or something like or, that. I mean, I or they miss possible. one game and do it. That might be worth it for them. Like, well, yeah. I'm going to miss one game if it's early enough. It's like, or the, again, it's eight games in 13 weeks. So maybe, yeah. maybe if the senior, bo- if I don't know how college football set up the weeks, the bye weeks, and plus we haven't discussed if the, you see Jim Harbaugh last night. Oh, we could play a game in two weeks. We're ready to go. It's like, calm down, coach. Calm down. They're not going to do that. No. They want, because they're not really practicing. They would need about a little, they need about a month, typically six weeks, but they've been doing some practicing. So I could see a month to be ready to play since they've been doing some stuff in the summer. But point being, I don't know how the bye weeks would be strategically placed, but maybe a good idea would be, hey, let's give everybody two weeks off or the senior bowl, whatever, whatever it may be. All the handful of people, I know it doesn't, it won't affect. There's four conferences playing. I don't know how many players out of that would go to it. I would sit at what, 15 maybe? I don't know. These, I, we could look at the 250 list, but it wouldn't be that many. So it's either, well, you go play that week and you're not your te- you're not playing with your team, or it could be a nice way for college football and the, these, at least at least the senior bowl. Maybe not the others, but the senior bowl is the big one. Have it be yeah. 
a universal bye week for everybody in college football. So if you're part of the Senior Bowl, you go to Mobile, Mobile for a week and you practice and train and do all that. And also, what's not to say have one of the bowl games closer to the draft as well. Like, mm-hmm. if the season ends mid-April, and say it's done. Like, everything's done. No playoff. Whatever postseason, it's, that has to be included and be done in that 13-week period. Exactly. There's still that six, 12 days, because April 17th was this, 12 days. You can have one weekend of all those games. You have enough scouting departments. Go check them out. You have time to do in-person interviews or phone interviews or video interviews. Probably video because you can't travel across to meet all these teams, but they've been doing that throughout the year. Like, that, there's a way for it to be done where it's different, but not really. Because mm-hmm. we don't know how many in-person visits are going to be in a spring just because of what's going on with the guys who are playing right now from the American, the Big 12, SEC, all that. So it's going to be a lot of video stuff anyways. But if you can see these guys in person going, there's going to be need to be some scheduling and tinkering, but it would line up fairly well, like you mentioned. Like It wouldn't be too much out of the ordinary, and it could be a better showcase where there's fewer games. It's actually live games. You Because I don't know how many scouts go in person. There's probably a good amount, but you'd be able to go check out some of these prospects who, like how often are you going to go see a – because we got the two small, like the, a Mac player, like, oh, this guy's having a great year. He may not even been on the radar, even if he's having the same type of year now, because all his big games were against Mac opponents when he played a Big Ten or ACC team. He did just fine, but was not great, but did at like running back had 85 yards and two touchdowns. That's a, a solid game, but not eye poppy when you look at the numbers or go back and look at him. If he had, and you could see him up close in person more often than you would, oh, this guy had one game, he tore up to Mac, but he had like, when he played against a pretty good team in the Big Ten, he was just, yeah. There's all sorts of reasons why this would be good, and I think there's plenty of it. So if the season is what they say it could be, even if it starts earlier, I don't know if the Mountain West is going to start around Thanksgiving. It seems unlikely. But if testing is cheaper, they could at the very least get going in early January to start and start playing games possibly and get in the right game schedule. I don't recall what the start date was for, I guess if it's April 17th, that's what all of March, all of February. That's eight weeks. A couple of February, a couple of April, a couple of January. You basically start the week after the playoff, and you're good to go. That's yeah. kind of your start date. And if testing's cheap and reliable, because these players right now are all sitting together, and like, like we mentioned before, I mean, Andy is you as I also like. If you're a college athlete, you're typically around your team the whole time, anyways. Everybody's doing virtual classes. It's like it's not that different than any other time, really, except every class is done online, and you're hanging around the same guys. So. It's, it's doable. Yeah. All right, should we get to our main subject here then? Let's do it. Do we need to get uh, any tissues out for missing games? You, you'd be okay, Matt? Do we need to, do we need to pick taps? <laughs> I don't know. We need something here. Uh, okay, so I put together a piece, and you can do whatever you want to do, Matt. But I put out a little article, I, and I messaged a group a couple weeks ago. What games are going to miss the most? Should we start with okay. non-conference, since we're non-conference season first? Yeah, let's do it. So... I'll get started. We'll kind of go back and forth and kind of banter here. But here's a couple. I was doing it right now. I haven't finished yet. It'll be up probably by the time you hear this this afternoon on Sunday or Monday. So last year, we it's like these buy games. They're fine. You get home and homes, which are a little bit more rare for the Mountain West against P5 teams. That's kind of the most of the games I picked from outside of the CIC games for Army and Air Force and Navy. But look at last year. Florida State, Boise State, Nevada, Purdue, Wyoming, Missouri, Aztecs, Bruins, Hawaii, Oregon State, Air Force, Colorado, all the, a lot of those games were by games, like a couple. Boise FSU, which will probably number one on everybody's list for missing this year. But these are opportunities to get great victories. Or you have shootouts like the uh, 
Was it who was the Arkansas game last year? Was it Nevada that beat them in the shootout, or was it San Jose? I forget which one it was. No, it was San Jose State, and they beat them, right? And they forced like a they forced a ton of turnovers. Yeah, yeah, like games like that's like they're exciting. They're under the radar. It's good, good, good times. You want to see these type of games in Arkansas for some reason? Keep scheduling Mountain West teams <laughs> to do that, but. Like that's the awesome part of college football. It's like I know we have, we'll have your Nevadas and Oregon's or blowout games here here and there when you get to play a, uh, like Hawaii, Ohio State a couple years ago. Then of course you, I remember it was this, like a seven zero deficit, but it ended up being like a five touchdown defeat. Yeah. But these type of games, like they're I remember Texas came to freaking Laramie home and uh, home and home somehow or two for once. Like you'll get these random games like that could happen and anything could happen because the difference really between these teams and the Power Five it's. Uh, not a ton, especially when you're playing like the Northwesterns or Indianas of the world where they're kind of middle of the pack. When it gets to upper echelon, unless you're a really good San Diego State or a really good Boise State team, Air Force is on that day with their unique offense can trip up anybody. But I'll say my number one game has got to be the Florida State-Boise State game, even though I think Boise would have beaten them. As we, I think we both – I don't remember what we predicted this so long ago, Matt, when we did that preview. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that was obviously the big headliner uh, among pretty much all of the non-conference games, which is not to say that other teams didn't have games to look forward to. But I think when you're thinking in terms of like, you know, not only the the very, very brief history between those two teams, uh, but just kind of historically, you know, you're looking at, you know, a previous national champion and previous, you know, maybe not so much of a powerhouse anymore. Top five forever. But they're still definitely like a, a, a brand, and, and having that brand visit the blue, I think, would have been a very big deal. And, and then you throw in the fact that, you know, they've got their first-year head coach, Mike Norvell. He's coming off a very successful tenure at Memphis. And so I think it would have been really interesting to see how he would have stacked up against a Boise State team that was, you know, definitely reloading but still expected to be a front runner uh, in the group of fives near six conversation. Yeah. They had the quarterback there. They had running back returning, replaced a couple defenders, but you're right. They just reload a couple receivers as we mentioned before. And it'd be like, who cares how bad Florida state is? Like they haven't been great the past couple of years and they're far from the, I don't remember what the top five years of Bobby Bowden was like 15, 20 plus years, something weird and amazing. of being finishing AP poll that high, but you beat a branded team. It's like, the casual fans are like, oh, I beat Florida State. That's amazing. And I'm, I'm wondering if Boise would have been even favored. I don't remember if we saw a line. But, like, these type of games, you play the big names even if they're down. It's like, who cares? You get a chance to beat them, and it's a home-and-home. Home. That's the big thing about that game. And I think Boise mm-hmm. probably could have had them. It would have been a good game. But you're right. New head coach. Everything would have been going in Boise's favor. They won last year. New coach. New offense. Players moving around. I don't even remember... If that was FSU, I think they're still having a quarterback competition at some point when we discussed it before. They're trying to figure out who that would have been. But regardless, it would have been – we already knew – named James Blackman the starter. Yeah, Blackman, yeah. Apparently. That sounds right. But it would have been like – would what would have been crazy about the game, it would have been a 10 a.m. kickoff, I'm assuming. That Fox – the new Fox contract. You would have had Urban Meyer and whoever else with that group doing the big noon Fox game. They would have come out to Boise for the game. Like, guaranteed, they already basically said that's going to happen. And we missed out mm-hmm. on that this year. And so – there's a lot to miss out, but it's like it would have been one of my. Was it a week one game, right? Or no, week two game, I believe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Georgia they Southern would have opened against Georgia Southern. Yeah. That's right. But and that then the Air Force. Yeah, that would have been like my top top game. I would have missed possibly. I don't know if it would have been the most entertaining game, but it would have been probably the top one. What do you have next? What would have been one of your other non-conference games? Well, see, one of the things I really enjoy about non-conference play is when 
they get the when when Mountain West teams get the opportunity to prove their superiority against the other group of five conferences, mm. you know, because I, you know, I always enjoy just like a random Mountain West versus back thing, for instance. Gotcha. Um, but I think it's especially intriguing when they get a chance to face off against a top tier group of five team. And so one of the games that I think was really flying under the radar for a lot of people that I was really looking forward to was Wyoming versus Louisiana. Mm-hmm. We talked about that. Yes. Yeah. Because they've got a lot of things in common. You know, they both love to run the ball and, you know, for as good as the Cowboys were at doing so last year, you know, the, the raging Cajuns were even better. I think both of their guys were named as preseason all conference guys, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, I think you know, nobody really thinks about a team from the Sun Belt being in that same mix, like we talked about a minute ago, Boise State, as far as being a New Year's Six contender. But I think that Louisiana had the talent, especially on offense, if they could run the table uh, this year, that they would have been in that conversation the same way that Appalachian State was last year. Mm-hmm, for sure. And, you know, for for a defense that was reloading without guys like, you know, uh, Cash Maluia and, and Logan Wilson, without Elijah Halliburton, you know, there was a lot of excitement, I think, about how the defensive line would stack up against Louisiana's pretty strong offensive line. You know, how would that defensive front be able to shut down that running game? And so I think it would have been a very interesting litmus test for just how far Craig Bull's team has come and I'm, I'm not just and which is not to say that I don't I don't know that they would have won the game I think it would have been very competitive either way but that's just one of those under the radar things where you don't really get to see a lot of games like that and I think that you know going back to Boise State for a minute the fact that they're going to be bringing UCF to the blue next year oh, yeah. is exactly the kind of game that I'm talking about like there there really isn't there, there haven't been that many games where like a very good, you know, I would say above average Mountain West team goes out and faces another above average team in the group of five somewhere else. And so, you know, to me, when it happens, like, like I get excited for that. Yeah. Like I'm looking through the schedule now, like I'm looking at, like there's not many, like that's one. I wouldn't say Ball State falls in the same category as Wyoming has it, but like uh, not yet, not yet. You could say BYU, but they're not technically they're by themselves, so that's kind of there. But that's, we see them all the time, a little bit. So maybe that's kind of a yeah. numbed us. Like Marshall's not as great as it used to be, but that's still decent. But they're not above average, I'd say. Like going through, like CSU has had three not three P five teams on the schedule. Fresno State, State Texas A and M, New Mexico State, whatever. Hawaii had a bunch of group of P fives. Excuse me. Um, I don't know you had San Jose State, Central Michigan, but that's not the same thing. There aren't many. I would like to see, you're right, I'd like to see more of those. Like, who wouldn't want to see App State come out and play Nevada? Or San Diego State, maybe San Diego State, better comparison. Then go play the, like, Northern Illinois has usually been pretty good in the MAC, Or go play somebody. Yeah, I mean, I think, the, I think the Aztecs trip to Toledo would have come close. But yeah. Toledo's kind of fallen off over the last couple of years. Yeah. But I think two years ago or whenever they scheduled it, like With cream hunt and stuff. Aztecs yeah. fans would have had a, a really good reason to get hyped for a game like that. Yeah. I'd nice to see more of those. It's like, you can mix in. It's like, I know they want winnable games. They got the FCS team. You'll play some lower team out of the uh, G five, whatever. But yeah, it would be nice to t- have like uh, a upper end. Like it's, you can't play P five, get a home at home with uh, like Memphis or something that they're pretty good. SMU's decent. They've been turned around. Like there's Houston, like, Play like I said, App State. The, the teams we already mentioned. But like, let's get, let's try to get like San Diego State, Boise, 
uh, Air Force, a little bit tougher for them, but get those type of games on schedule because they could be as exciting or better. And plus, if you're kind of wanting to be conference supremacy or you want to edge for going to the uh, year six game, it would be pretty advantageous to play those type of teams where, okay, let's just say the stick with UCF to probably be ranked as they are right now, even in the with everybody in the AP and coaches pull at the moment. But they are they've had a great past couple of seasons, gone to the went to the Peach Bowl, beat Florida State, stuff like that, where they lost to LSU, but they go play these games and they're it's like, okay, is that would you rather do that or play like Texas Tech, you know what I mean? Or play some mm-hmm. low level Iowa State or something or Indiana or Illinois in the Big Ten and go play them or play Duke or something who's just okay. I think you get more bang for your buck by beating those teams who eventually could be ranked at some point. And it's a better comparison, too. It's like, oh, if we're comparing these leagues, because that's what the playoff and, and the uh, committee looks at, comparison, which is going to be difficult this year. So I, I like that idea. That's a, that's a good one. I'll go with the next one here. i got a couple. Let's stick with Wyoming. I picked Utah Wyoming. And you think, oh, this guy, Utah guy, he picked Utah to win for sure. I don't know if that's the case, man. Utah replaces like a dozen players this year. It would have been at Laramie week three of the year. I believe it would have been week three, early on in the year, I should say. I just had a third game on my list. But that game, Utah, new quarterback. Two transfer quarterbacks coming in. One played last year, like as a red shirt, Cam Rising, transfer from Texas. Jake Bentley from South Carolina. But then again, replaced quarterback Tyler Huntley, who just got signed with the Ravens after clearing waivers. No running back. Zach Moss drafted with the Bills. About 10 guys, 12 guys got drafted. And Wyoming, like, they're running. They'd have the, not kidding, best running back on the field. The receiving group, even though we discussed Wyoming's replacing a lot, Utah doesn't have any many good receivers besides the tight end. Like the yeah. defense, they're replacing both teams replacing on defense, and both teams are known for the defenses. This could have been like a seventeen to thirteen rock fight, and Wyoming uh, realistically could have won this game. I don't know if I would have picked them to win, but it would have been a game where Utah's ranked because they possibly ranked um, because they got the uh, hype and pr- credentials of over the past couple years of Kyle Whittingham, but. Wyoming could have gone in there and run over Utah's defense, and especially if they put in Sean Chambers to have a more running capability. Wyoming could have won that game, and I'm bummed because as a Utah fan, it would be great to see them play a Mountain West team, but also I think it would have been a really good game, a really defensive game out there that would have shown, heck, Wyoming, Craig Bulk, he's a really good coach, and maybe even up to the Pac-12 team. Because mm-hmm. that would have been – that's almost the top of my list, man, almost – no, yeah, I could, I could definitely see that. You know, just to, you know, you your chance to kind of take down a perhaps slightly overrated by the media Power Five team. You're not wrong. Exactly right. Like I think every I think every Mountain West fan base can get behind that. Like yeah, and Utah, like they are, would still be good enough for whatever, however, what tense out easy did. Winning the Pac-12 South clearly on the table, even if they were lost to Wyoming. <laughs> Just because of Pac-12 yeah, South, I mean, I think they, whatever. I think they, even if they weren't necessarily a top 25 team coming out the gate, I think, you know, if you consider them a top 40 team, that sounds about right. And that's, you know, for mm-hmm. Wyoming to have that kind of chance at home would have been a very big deal for them. Yeah, you got the team in the Pac-12 title game two years in a row, nearly the playoff last year had they beaten Oregon. That would have been a, I would have loved, that would have been one of the highlighted games I've ever watched because how it would have, uh, my affiliation and how the game probably would have turned out. Mm-hmm. So what do you got next? What's another one of your games? We'll do a couple more here. I mean, I guess you know another one of the things, kind of an overarching theme that I was I'm really bummed about for this fall was, you know, we have so many first year head coaches in the conference mm-hmm. that one of the things I was really looking forward to was how they measured up in the games that matter most to those fan bases. 
you know, and I'm thinking, you know, and, you know, I'm thinking, for instance, of the fact that, and even though we're talking more about non-conference, like Tony Sanchez, for instance, you know, it didn't necessarily work out at UNLV, but, you know, the canon is still red and he had more success against Nevada more often than not. And so with non-conference play in mind, one thing I was really looking forward to was the real grand rivalry between New Mexico and New Mexico State, because, yeah, Bob Davey kind of had his his brief rise and then kind of fell back into obscurity out there in Albuquerque. But during his tenure, they went he went six and two against the Aggies. And so even though I don't think the expectations overall were going to be very high for Danny Gonzalez and company in year year one, uh, I think it would have been very interesting to see how this stacked up against the New Mexico State team that, you know, at least on paper, didn't necessarily look like it was going to be very good this year. I think when we talked about it originally, I think we both expected the Lobos to be able to go out and win that game. Yeah. And so, you know, and that would have been one of the more winnable games on their non-conference schedule in particular. Um, and I think it would have been more exciting, for instance, than them playing Idaho State and, and UMass, because I think they would have, or at least they should have been able to beat both of those teams. Um, but, you know, I think especially in a state like New Mexico, where those are the only two major programs, like, you know, having the supremacy in that rivalry would have been a big deal. And I think it would have carried a lot of goodwill even if, you know, had the 2020 season been played, even if it had been bumpier than a lot of people expected, that, you know, being able to boast about that win in particular would have been uh, a very big deal for them in year one. Yeah, I like that too. I like your, yeah, the new coach thing is a big deal as well. One other thing, I'll, we'll kind of come back to that, but one thing I like too is seeing home hosting games for yeah. against a P5. So like I mentioned Wyoming, you had the Colorado Colorado State game getting moved. Not well, yes. Instead of being at, which is weird because nobody like out of all the rivalries and all of college football, that's the only P five G five unless you want to include Utah BYU. Essentially, a similar type of setup, but they would go to. Do you even know what Denver Stadium is called? Still, I could just say Mile High, but is it Vesco or or Champ is Sport? it Sports Authority Field? At this Sport, point? Whatever, Mile High Sports Authority, John Elway. Uh, Field. I think Peyton everybody Ma- just calls it Mile High. Peyton Manning Stadium, yes. Uh, they played the home of the Broncos. And they would basically sell that thing out, which is wild, right? Like, those two teams, like, okay, CSU fan base, probably not huge in comparison. Yeah, Colorado's been a, a big program in big, excuse me, big conferences. Has it, They do have a Heisman Trophy winner, split national title. But that's like 30 years ago now, and they'd still sell that thing out, which is wild to... To believe, but that game would have been at uh, the Rams Stadium. You get home games. You get games like San Diego State hosting UCLA. You have Hawaii they coast a couple teams here. Utah State hosting Washington State. That would have been Thursday opening night. Like these type mm-hmm. of games hosting, it's like not a new coaching convention, but it's a way to prove like, hey, we get to host these teams. It's like they're home and homes. Typically, these are maybe two for one. But like host, these are a good chance to give your home fan base because you know how it is. Like people complain about attendance, like. Not just like games, but Boise State. Just they're not doing what they did in the WAC, where they're winning forty to ten every week. But they're fairly confident they're going to win. Like any game they walk into, like hey, we can win this game. And do they really yeah. want to go to see New Mexico every year. Sorry, New Mexico, but go see these teams. Utah State, who they've done well against, and CSU, who hasn't beaten them since they joined the conference. <laughs> I had to remind people that. Mm-hmm. But like getting these games at home are amazing. Like I don't know how Utah State, and Washington State would have played out because. Nick Rolovich is there with the Cougars up there, up in the Pacific Northwest. You have Utah State with a new quarterback. You have uh, 
with uh, Jason Shelley, I guess now take would have been taken over. A couple of running backs with Devonta Henry Cole and then Jalen Warren, who sucks if he can't play because I think he's really good. But then you got Aztecs hosting the Bruins, who never come to town. Next goal would be to get a USC to drive to the new stadium, whatever that's built. But these getting home games are what fans kind of really not live for. But it's like it's more excitement and buzz. Like, hey, we got who cares if UCLA goes four and eight? We beat freaking UCLA gangs and never want to play us. Like these type of games. Yeah, I mean, I don't think as I mean Aztecs fans, I'm sure, are still very satisfied about that. They they oh yeah SmackDown UCLA yes. last year. It's a little bit extra due to home. It's like that's the thing you want. It's like we they if they pr- say they want to be big enough, like there's all we hear it all the time. Pac-12, Big 12, we're coming. Like okay, slow down. But then prove get these teams to town. Like you tweet all the time. Like here's the Mountain West record versus P5 versus American P5 or the past five years versus the Pac-12. The Mountain West is done. Like Pac- they beat um, UCLA, sitting in state. Arizona lost to Hawaii last year. There's multiple others on. Colorado, Colorado State, no, not last year, but there is enough Pac-12 victories, particularly, isn't it Aztecs up 5-1, I think, in the last six Pac-12 games or something? I forget. Yeah, they, they like to tweet about that every so often. Yeah, that's what I mean, like, so getting these games at home, it's even... With, with good reason, by yeah, the way. Yeah, it's like, compare that to other schools, and they're not keeping up the pace, man. It's like, I think there was one thing, like, uh, I think they had an awesome tweet. Pac- record versus Pac-12 winning percentage? Because you got to tweak it the right way, Matt, to get your... It's how every uh-huh, radio yeah. station, TV can be number one in whatever demographic. They go Pac-12 record percent... Winning percentage record versus Pac-12 over the past three years. San Diego State's like at the top of the list of like 800. Technically not wrong. Technically not wrong, but... Very, you know, very clever. Clever, and that's the way to do it. So any of these home games you have, there's they're few and far between. You get only a couple a year. Like, if I'm correct, you got Boise at Florida State, Colorado State, Colorado, Utah, Wyoming... Um, Washington State, Utah State. Uh, I don't have the full schedule for him, but I think Hawaii has a couple others that come to town because they typically do. But there's usually about what three to five that come that come about five that play that come to town, and so getting those games, those are all the ones you want to see because it's kind of like you puff your chest out, you have a good crowd, and you hopefully it's not a Nevada Oregon turnout, I guess. Yeah. Do you have any? Uh, do you want to switch to conference play? You got any other non-conference games that are itching to talk about? You know, I think, you know, the, of the other, if we're talking about like one last overarching thing that I always look forward to in non-conference play is when teams get a chance to like you know, figure out how to either attack or defend some of the nation's best players. Mm-hmm. And so another one of those games that I think really fits that bill that I was looking forward to was Air Force versus Purdue. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, this this vein of games is perhaps a little bit rarer, at least in 2020, than it would have been in some other past seasons. But, like, you know, I think we both had some questions about how the Falcons' defense was going to shake out, especially since they were having to replace so many people in the secondary. But, you know, added to that, how are they going to solve Rondale more? Mm-hmm. You know, those those kinds of games, I think, are really, really fascinating to me. And I think that at least for 2020, that would have been the best example of that. I mean, I think, you know, if you go back to Boise State versus Florida State, you know, you've got, you know, in the front seven of that Seminoles defense, from what I've seen, it's potentially, you know, two or three first or second round picks in that in that bunch. And so I think that the Broncos would have had something similar in that regard. Um, but, you know, when you're talking about like college football's biggest names, it isn't that often where... Mountain West teams get the opportunity to face against those guys. You know, I think, you know, in a similar kind of vein, maybe New Mexico at USC, mm-hmm. you know, having to figure out Ted and Slovis, for instance, and that, that air raid offense, 
is a similar kind of thing, but I think that, you know, being able to go on the road at Purdue to figure out how to stop this, one of the most electric players in the country, um, to me would have been a pretty big deal. Yeah, those type of games were fun. Yeah, going against that elite player, it's like Nevada, Oregon last year, Justin Herbert, like, or could they get past, uh, what's his name, Sewell on the offensive lines would be like the number two pick after yeah, Penei Sewell. Yeah. Yeah. He has a brother, I think, of the other one. And, Sorry. and Hawaii would have had their chance to do that this fall, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, so they get try to go up against him. But yeah, those games are, yeah, you don't get too many. Like UCLA doesn't have anybody amazing. I guess they played Penn State, San Jose State, but that wouldn't really have been a, an even matchup. We'll be nice and say, but that's kind of the vein we're looking at. But for, I guess we could mention BYU anytime Boise State or San Diego State or Aggies play BYU. That's always a game to look forward to just because of that those implications of years past. And Boise lost as undefeated to BYU to their backup quarterback last year. So, that was the, yeah, I mean, I, you know, what I'm thinking is like, you know, when you're when you're watching the opponent, you're like, you know, you're looking at a future first round NFL draft. Yeah, no, I know. That's kind of what I'm thinking when I think of that. No, I definitely hear. I just kind of moving forward a little bit. But yeah, that's not too often. They would have to do the go through the archives and see. But yeah. If you could, like he said, run, that would be the best match of the Purdue Air Force, just to see like a top guy. Like, okay, getting past offensive linemen, whatever. That's that's great. But fans aren't watching the line play typically. They're like, hey, hey can you shut down this quarterback? Can you shut down this running back who's really good? Or block uh, a guy like Chase Daniel last year because that was a big deal versus Minnesota. I remember watching that game. Like, can they stop Chase Daniel with this uh, great Minnesota offense? So yeah, no, no, those those are great too. It's like if you can see them and have them and go against them, that's a uh, and especially stop them, that's even better, right? Exactly. All right, let me get a couple of conference games here that I actually have that piece up here. I guess uh, I, t- I struggled a couple. I put Ted, but like it's all the usual suspects you see. It's like Boise, Air Force, okay. Uh, Nevada, UNLV, because the fight last year, the cannon's still mm-hmm. red. Um, suspensions happened. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have occurred in this game. But like, how would a new head coach in U- at UNLV be able to take on Nevada where – Nor- with Norvell, we thought, hey, maybe they're taking the next step. Uh, I think that would have been fascinating because that game would have been at Allegiant Stadium. And so see how that would have played out. That would have been – I'm going to say it's near my top, but I, that was the number two game I put on there. So I think that would be – because that rivalry has been just weird the past couple years, right? Like who they're playing, it's not always been the better team winning. Yeah. And I I just like to fight overtime, new quarterbacks. Uh, I guess my number one, if I want to say – I kind of the bronze boot. Even though I looked at it, I didn't realize. I, even though I know, we know uh, Mike Bobo never won against him, I'm just surprised why we just kept winning and winning and winning. Just it's just weird when you never can get that victory against the, your rival with the Rams. Yeah, I mean, to me, the biggest the biggest thing I was looking forward to were kind of those those you know everybody has their own kind of benchmark games, mm-hmm. and so you know some of them are obvious you know i think like everybody was looking forward to boise state air force in week two Mm -hmm. because that really would have set the tone for the mountain division as it has over the last couple of years at least and you know those have been some of the more entertaining games but you know beyond that for instance you know i look at something like nevada and san diego state where you know for a long time it was relatively one-sided um, especially from, from 2014 to 2017, you were looking at a double-digit Aztecs victory pretty much every single year. But over the last couple of years, Gene Orville has been able to turn that around a little bit. And, you know, they were, I think, rated number, they were ranked number 24 when the Wolfpack beat them last year, mm-hmm. from, at least according to sports reference. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. 
but you know they've been able to win a couple of close ones and now all of a sudden you know going into 2020 i think we all expected that the aztecs and the Wolfpack would be kind of one two in the in the west division and so whether or not nevada would have been able to take a uh, a, more, a bit another step to win that game more emphatically I think was something I was looking forward to and a similar kind of game I think you know you mentioned the, the battle for the Fremont cam and I think that's definitely in that same uh, boat for UNLV in particular because you know I don't think anybody's expect I don't think anybody was expecting UNLV to to be knocking on the door of bowl eligibility this year but you know you at least, at least as it was with with Tony Sanchez, you kind of throw the records out when you're thinking about the Fremont Cannon. Exactly, it's been so weird between those two teams. <laughs> and, and and the same thing with the, like the Valley Trophy with Fresno State and San Jose State. So I mean, I think every team has got one like that. Um, you just kind of, and I think it's mostly like those interdivision, the not interdivision. Intra division, I always forget the pre- <laughs> the difference between the prefix. I think intras with the intras within, within the division. Yes. Yeah, just say mountain division um, game, west division game. Quit trying to sound too smart. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> one game I'd add in there: San Jose State UNLV too. There you go. In that same vein, because uh, we we hyped up in our mini preview, uh, but for those two teams, like you had me convinced, the Spartans would have been and should have been much improved even if a record may not have been there and who knows if a, whatever bowl eligibility would have been, but you had me hyped up to think like the Spartans with Trey Walker, probably uh, Nick Stark will be in QB and what they have around there. It could have been a pretty good team. And anytime you watch UNLV, just watch, just fast forward. Here's what you do, Matt. You watch rebel football whenever it comes back. And especially the Charles Williams, just watch the offense and then fast forward the defense and to, to a point to the other team scores before you move on <laughs> because Charles Williams could eat through everybody. And he's, Really good, but th- yeah, those type of games, especially it combines a couple of things. First new, first year head coach, the benchmark games for teams on the same level. Like, is UNLV going to take the next step or San Jose State in that game? Uh, Nevada, San Diego State's at Nevada this year, which have been wild because Carson Strong's the solidified quarterback. Toa Tala, third year, hopefully he takes another step up. And as we mentioned, the Aztecs before quarterback situation very shaky. Running game hasn't been great the past. Co- at least last year, I should say. It wasn't what it has been. Not elite, but just okay. Not even okay, but the defense is there, too. And one other game I mentioned, too, like, if you want to see strength versus strength, like, San Diego State versus CSU, especially if Ward Jackson would have been around, that receivers were secondary, that would have been something you want to watch because can Ward Jackson break through versus, like, Trey Thompson or Nate Craigmeyer or Dante Wright? Do they have enough defenders to stop everybody on that Rams offense? Like, that would have been a good strength versus strength. Or even... Uh, CSC, same thing with CSU. Well, I mean, I briefly mentioned them, but that offense versus defense, those type of matchup, like strength on strength, there's something I really want to see. And those are just a couple of examples. Uh, I don't see, or even Boise, Wyoming, where Wyoming's barely won. They had the one game in, what, 2016, I want to say. I think I put it here for the highlights for that game, and they won. But like that rebuilt defense for Wyoming. But then again, Wyoming has Xavier Valaday, which he probably could have. Not run as well, but run very well against a Boise offense, or excuse me, Boise defensive front. Even though because they're like Curtis Weaver and other guys, David Moe aren't aren't around anymore. So it's like, well, mm-hmm. let's just run through, and that would have been, and it's at home in Laramie. That would have been another game where you see some strength and strengths going on. Those are kind of the games we're missing. And one, my final game I'll mention here. Do you want to guess what my final game would be here? Do you want any idea? It includes two West Division teams. I'll see if you can snag this. I'm gonna guess it's probably something like. Hawaii versus San Jose State or something? No, because that's always a good game. That should have been on my list. No, San Jose State at San Diego State. Spartans have nearly pulled there the upset go. two years in a row, man. I remember 
Two years in a row. They're winning the half, end up losing 16 to 13. Last year, 27 to 17. That game, like I remember the first time, like the, the fronts, the trenches for both sides, San Jose State was just knocking around the allegedly better Aztecs team in that part of there, in that part of the field. In that game, it's been much closer of late. I don't know what the outcome would have been. I probably would still lean Aztecs, but you have a good receiver in Trey Walker and some other stuff for the Spartans. That could have been a game where if the trends have been going, where it's at a point where Brett Brennan's been there a couple of years. He's not like afraid. Like who cares? Not that he's afraid, but it's like there's teams you know you're not going to beat when you play. Like when I played sports, I was like, you know you're not going to beat them. You could play your best game ever and probably still come up a couple points shy of beating that team if everything goes 100% your way. You still can't do enough. Spartans mm-hmm. aren't at the level. They're at the level where they still probably have to play their best game to win, but if they were to play their best or near-perfect game, they could get that victory. And it's going to come sooner than later because I think Brent Brennan's getting things going. And that's just one of the games where, like, the I guess I'll put it in the category of upset type of games. That's where I would have put it in there as well. I kind of would, would want to see how that game would have turned out because Spartans have given Aztecs trouble the past uh, few seasons. Yeah, I can get behind that. Any other games you want to get to? They mentioned like any Fresno State games besides just saying all of them. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I'm if I'm being, I mean, it would have been nice to just watch a football game, well, watch a Bulldogs game week in and week out and stuff exactly. like that. But I mean, you know, I'm the kind of person that I've always got. Probably at a minimum two devices going on. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, uh, <laughs> two or four. Yeah, I was trying to just watch it. I got my phone, I got my tablet, I got my laptop, and then if I'm lucky, I've got the TV or something like that. So, you know, it's it's it's, it's hard to pick favorites after a point because I just wanted to watch everything. Mm-hmm. And at least this year will be easy, a bit easier, right, Matt? I guess that's true. Yeah, if, yeah, it's a. Here's the thing. You know what you got at 7 p.m. Pacific every week going forward? BYU football. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and you get Why the good. I want to subject myself to that. Yeah, when they're playing Texas State, UTSA, Western Kentucky, Troy. Troy's not bad, but their schedule, uh, I'm just saying, if, or UTEP, because they're the only other Pacific, or Mountain Time Zone team. They're going to get those late kicks, and who knows what UTEP will get. They'll probably be ESPN 3, even though 2 and U will be open probably. <laughs> mm. But like any Fresno game that like conference game at San I put my list. I wanted to include them, so I put Utah State because I thought that could be a fairly interesting game. Just with uh, Kalen DeBoer coming back as the head coach, see what the offense could do against what Gary Anderson typically does defensively, despite losing like Tipa Glay, who unfortunately got cut by the Packers over the weekend with the cutdowns, um, and no David Woodward, who I only ever mentioned. I think he never signed with the team due to concussion history. I think that's what the end result was, but. It would have been a new quarterback, very new quarterback for Utah State, but that would have been a good offensive versus defensive matchup. Ronnie Rivers, Jalen Warren, Devonte, Hen- or, yeah, Devonte Henry Cole out there. I felt that would have been a a fun matchup that, that doesn't happen too often and could have been kind of a another strength versus strength, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think their their cross division road games would have been the most interesting ones to follow, if only because you 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 could make a case that they should have won both of those games last year. Yeah. And that's something we talked about in our in our Bulldogs podcast, of course, is that they were maybe a little bit unlucky in some respects. Um, but I feel like, you know, the Aggies, the Rams, and the Bulldogs coming into 2020 were all kind of on that level where they all wanted to be on the on the upswing back towards bowl eligibility, back towards you know, competitive competitiveness in the in the division race and things like that. So I think those would have been like that that trio of games that I would throw, you know, the the, the Rams and the Aggies facing each other in that conversation as well. 
you know, those matchups have tended to be pretty competitive over the, over the last couple of years. So, you know, I don't think that they are at the forefront of, any, of everybody's mind when they look at like games and they're, they're circling games on their calendar, but they would have been very important for, you know, for a first year head coach like Kalen DeBoer, for instance, to help the team rebound. Um, for Utah State, it would have been, you know, helping them rebound because, you know, the pressure is kind of on to, to turn things around for Gary Anderson out there in Logan. Year two, yeah. And, and for Colorado State to be able to do kind of the same thing, especially since, you know, at, at least on paper, we would have expected them to have a, a talent advantage at a, on at least one side of the ball over yeah. both of those two teams. So, yeah, I, I guess I would throw those those three teams in there kind of playing each other as another thing that I was looking forward to that might be under the radar. All right, let's wrap up with this real quick because I know you got to go here in a second. What's, like, outside of the games, like, because you don't go to too many games. Like, you go to maybe a couple of Fresno a year at most, not too many. Like, what's the, what the big thing besides your team not playing? Like, our college football Saturdays are very different. Like, what stuff you're going to miss besides these type of games? Like, is it going to be... Getting ready to watch the game, re- re- figuring out who your opponent is and stuff like that for your Fresno State team or in general, what we're going to talk about. Because we don't have to watch as many games or pay as close attention. We kind of have like the free will and weekend to do what we want. It's like, what's kind of the stuff you're like, oh, crap, this is not going to happen this year outside of like the te- your team's playing or not playing? I mean, I know it's strange, but like I really like to get things right. And that's what I think about when I think about all the preview podcasts that we do is, you know, it's, it's one thing to kind of, you know, talk about it, but it's another thing to like really dig into everything. And so when I think about just what it's like to discuss individual matchups and, and you know, how things have developed throughout the course of the season, week by week, that, you know, obviously being wrong is inevitable, <laughs> but, you know, just, you know, the work that it takes to just kind of to to lay the, not only to like make, make the claim, but to kind of lay the case out there for that claim, you know, that's something that I really relish, even if I'm not right all the time. Yeah. It's It's like saying to consider everything to kind of absorb all the information and things like that. Um, you know, when I'm thinking about, you know, what I look forward to on game day, it's like those, those little things kind of digging into the numbers and things like that. Yeah, it's also like we pick these teams going defeated. Like, that's a stupid pick, but is it going to happen? Like, if we get our picks right, like, yes, look how great we are. You should listen to us back in June, June 12th when we <laughs> said, when I, when I said, whenever it was, Air Force is going undefeated. Like, yeah, if I look like an idiot, fine. I'll go out and make bold predictions sometimes because it's boring to be just, well, we're going to pick the same stuff every time, which it kind of does turn out that way. But I like making bold picks and being there. Like a couple years ago, I said, watch out, Nick Stevens is going to be the best quarterback in the Mountain West, and he basically was up there. People were, it was the, what, Josh Allen and uh, whoever Boise State QB was. Brett Rippin. Yeah, Brett Rippin, like, watch for Nick Stevens. He'll be the guy you should really be watching and focusing on to see what he can do. And he had a really good year. So stuff like that, they might be dumb. We can't really, we maybe, when you figure some out for our stupid upset picks, but stuff like that, like, I love your example of stuff like either our picks or diving into who's doing what are these guys are going to be, or the other end, Who's this new guy who has an amazing year that we never talked about? How the heck did we miss him? Because it wasn't just us. It was everybody else missing. But I guess what I will kind of be missing, like, kind of keeping track of the games, too, because that's kind of a juggle as well. It's a fun, interesting, strange juggle. Okay, I'll watch the condensed game Sunday morning. I will stay up late. Actually, I'll give my number one example, Matt. Missing late night Hawaii football with that 10 p.m., 11 p.m. kick tie. Yeah, speak for yourself. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I agree. No, but I it's fun to watch. So, you know, I get it. It's like, oh, how late is this? And, and that's just something to watch. It's the only game. 
partly because if you're on Twitter and like everybody's talking about the one game, it's the game you're fairly usually pretty interested or were invested in because it's the only game on right now because everything else is done. You'll have the first, the first half Hawaii, whomever, and then the uh, second half wrap it up game of those like seven Pacific to uh, seven thirty Pacific kick times for the rest of the Mountain West or yeah. Pac-12. And so. I mean, if you're looking, if you're looking for something more specific that I'll miss about the game day atmosphere in particular, pregame tri tip. Dude, you can always make try to put whatever you want, man. That's not pregame doesn't no, preclude it's, you, it's, but it's not the same. It's like <laughs> being being a part of that atmosphere. You know what I mean? I hear you. We, hey, like, you can you know, when people people break out the grill and stuff like that. That's true. Well, pick a game of the week you like and do your pregame try tip for that. Like, yeah, all right, there you, the, go. you yeah. have to pick because the game has to be try tip worthy, Matt. You got to pick the right SEC matchup this year, I guess, to play to watch to do. But no, I mean, I mean. I mean, personally, I could eat tri-tip every Saturday, so exactly. I might just, I might just like it. It's like the, that. it's a film. It's like, all right, what are we cooking today? What are we making today? To get ready, making, it's, it's always gonna be tri-tip. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay, real quick, I wrap up here because I, I know what you mean. Though. Yeah, no, it, it, it's fun. It's, it's the thing you're doing. But I did. I listened to Solid Verbal the other day. They had Michael Felder on, who does amazing things for now Stadium, played at UNC. Have you listened? Did you listen to the cooking episode about what how he cooks? I have not. No. So he like. Like he's a real chef, essentially. It seems like for what he makes, like he is really, really good. But he made one suggestion that I loved: make a hamburger with the English muffin bun. Trust me, folks. Interesting. It is. I tried it the other day. My little girl, who she likes burgers and stuff, but she's only ten. I'm like, she's like, Dad, this is the this bun is better than any other bun I've ever had. Like because if you put whatever, whatever you put in burgers, sauces, ketchups. Tomatoes, whatever you put on your burger, I don't care what you put on there. It kind of soaks it up, but it is like, it's a game changer. Trust me, folks. So give it a try next time. So that's my food tip for the day. You bring up tri tip, I'll bring up English muffin burgers. <laughs> there you go. So we'll end with that here. All right. So uh, thanks for everyone who uh, chimed in. Less than we will, we're not going anywhere. We'll have to think of some creative stuff, which we kind of already got going over at mwr.com. Got the podcast, obviously. Go give us a review if you like it, because we're not going to leave you hanging for football content. We'll figure something out. We can make fun of the American. We can uh, praise them if it um, Matt, if it actually comes that way where we have to say something nice about them. But we'll get stuff out there yeah, every week. I would, I would never, but continue. Never. Okay, we'll say things that are neutral. Is that a good way to put it, maybe? At best? <laughs> we'll figure okay, something out. I already got next <laughs> week's already got next week's show kind of planned about having some issues with the American just because they're playing and because it hurts the Mountain West. But, yeah, check us out every week. We'll be here typically every Sunday. We'll see if we have any other bonus random shows we do. But yeah, check us out mwire.com. Subscribe, review, tell your friends. And yeah, check out the site because we're going to be doing some different stuff this football season because, Matt, we've got no games and we got to do what we got to do, right? Yes, we do. All right, and we, with that, we'll see you next time, folks. <laughs>